is Christian Questions. Abraham Lincoln once said, I have always found that mercy bears richer fruits than strict justice. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Christian Questions, talk radio with a purpose with Jonathan and Rick. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience, and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. And Rick, that perspective is based on godly principles, family values, honest dialogue, all in a politically free zone. Jonathan, the best part is this. We talk, and you listen, and then you talk, and we listen. You can also contact us at our website, ChristianQuestions.com. I'm Rick. And I'm Jonathan. And we are glad that you've chosen to spend some time with us this morning, this fine Sunday morning. It's beautiful out there. It really is. sunny. And Jonathan, what's the topic? All right. Well, our question, Rick, this morning is, what does it mean to be merciful? And our theme text is found in Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 and 23. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. And Jonathan, sometimes in the overwhelming flow of life, we can forget the simplest things. We get so caught up in a me first and sometimes a me only mentality. You're right. <laughs> and that's amazing to me. That, that part. It's sad. <laughs> it is. It is a very sad thing, that me only mentality, uh, that it never even crosses our minds to stop and consider some of the most basic and healing attributes available to humankind, kindness and mercy. Well, what is mercy? How does it work? If we were to apply mercy on a regular basis, would it change our world? And more importantly, could it change the way we see our world? So it's great to change the world. Yes. But it's better to change the way you see the world because that is really starting the change from... Internal. That. It, it's start, starting from home. Yes. So, folks, this morning we're going to be talking about the subject of mercy. What does it mean to be merciful? And i got to admit, when I started the subject, the, the way it came out in terms of preparation right. was not the way I anticipated it when I was sort of thinking, hey, how about a, sub- a, a, a program on mercy? That sounds wonderful, it, <laughs> but it became actually more more detailed, more... Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and uh, you've got a little uh, roughness there in your in your throat there, yeah, guy. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. As long <laughs> as it's, it holds out for the next two hours, we're all going to be happy, right? That's right. You better. <laughs> You know, the first word I think of when I think of mercy, I, the word that hits me right off the bat is forgiveness. That's, mm-hmm. that's what I relate it to. And when you brought out some of the definitions in this, I'm like, oh, okay. I, it, it didn't hit what I thought it was. Well, I think that what we're going to find out is mercy is a little different than most of us look at it a, as being. And, and hopefully we'll, we'll lay that out as the scriptures open up to us. And folks, we're going to be talking about mercy. And we, I'm sure that you've had experiences where you've had the opportunity to give or to receive mercy in one way or another. We'd love to hear your thoughts at 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And we want to hear what you have to say about today's topic. Post your comments on our Facebook page and our blog. Go to ChristianQuestions.com. Okay, so let's get started. What is mercy? And we're going to start with one of the scriptures in the Old Testament, Jonathan, that I think gets quoted a lot. And I love this scripture. It's a great scripture, Micah 6, eight. He hath shown thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, and to love mercy, 
and to walk humbly with thy God. All right. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with thy God. And that word for mercy, what, what does it mean? It means goodness, kindness, faithfulness. And uh, interestingly, let's jump to another Old Testament scripture. Hosea 6.6 6 uses that same word, but it, it, it says it, speaks it a little bit differently. For I delight in loyalty rather than sacrifice, and in knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. I didn't hear mercy. No, that word loyalty is the same um, Hebrew word. So, and, and you think about it, how do you get mercy and loyalty? But it does make sense, because if you ha- are merciful to someone, uh, you know, you, you see what, what their circumstances are, and your loyalty to them uh, draws you to this point of mercy. And we're going we're gonna to develop yeah, that as, as we go. That's unique. We're going to uh, be featuring throughout the program this morning uh, a story, uh, in some ways a very tragic story, uh, in some ways a sad story, and in some ways a horrendous story uh, of someone who actually died back in 2009. Her name is Susan Atkins. Uh, She was one of uh, Charles Manson's uh, followers, and she was a murderer, a cold-blooded, heartless murderer. And this is a story of what happened to her after she was incarcerated, uh, after committing some horrific, horrific murders. Uh, this was parts of this are from a 2002 interview she did with Diane Sawyer on ABC. And this is a, we're talking about mercy, and we're talking about someone who had done some some cold blooded killing. And and you know some you hear about people that 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 kill, and then there's people that kill. Yeah, and she was one of the latter that just with that heartless, cold-blooded, miserable approach, just just took lives of of people who had didn't do anything, and she was looking for mercy uh, after several years in prison. So we're going to begin to unfold this story of Susan Atkins. This part is from a Diane, Diane Sawyer interview uh, with ABC. It was an event so terrifying it changed America, one of the most infamous murders in the U.S. And now one of the young women involved is asking for freedom after 37 years in prison. Susan Atkins was a member of the Manson family, convicted in the 1969 murders of actress Sharon Tate and four others. Now she has brain cancer. Doctors say she has just months to live, and she is raising questions about mercy then and now. So, and th- that actually wasn't part of the 2002 interview. The other parts will be, uh, that, was, that was actually in 2008 or 2009, that, okay. that particular newscast. And she was asking for mercy. So, the big question is, well, what should we do with somebody like that who did the kinds of things that they did and has served time? And does, do they, can they ever deserve mercy? Or do you just let it be? And it's, it's so it's a compelling it is. sidelight mm-hmm. to this discussion on mercy this morning. Um, so, Jonathan, we've got a few Old Testament scriptures, a little sense of the Old Testament meaning of mercy. Let's go to a New Testament uh, scripture. Again, another scripture that um, is one of the more well-read scriptures uh, in, in the New Testament, the Beatitudes, uh, you know, blessed are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of them has to do with mercy, Matthew 5, 7. Blessed are the merciful. For they will receive mercy. All right. So here you have the words of Jesus. If you are merciful, you will receive mercy. Mm -hmm. And according to the Old Testament definition, goodness, kindness, faithfulness. If you are good, kind, faithful, you will receive mercy. Goodness, kindness, and faithfulness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, and these are these are Jesus' words to his followers, 
teaching them how they are to live in the context of the world around them. So they are living in a world that doesn't necessarily have a whole bunch of mercy. No, they're not. Or compassion, mm-hmm. or goodness, or kindness, or integrity, and we can go on and on with that. Right, right. But Jesus is saying, blessed are you if you live this way. And he's saying, blessed are you if you are merciful. Now, we don't want to get into, into uh, you know, trying, trying to uh, be a, a dictionary here, but right. it, it is important. There, there are a couple of closely related words from the New Testament to that specific word for mercy. Now, the first uh, word for mercy here is the word used, and that was, um, and what's that first definition? Uh, kindness or good uh, will towards the miserable and the afflicted. Well, actually, the one above it, the oh, 1653. Oh, okay. Have compassion, pity on, have and obtain, receive, show mercy on. All right, so it's very similar to the to the Old Testament. Mm-hmm, there, mm-hmm. There's a very strong connection to have compassion or pity on is is the the first word, and and a, a second word that's also translated mercy. You were saying means kindness or goodwill toward toward the miserable and the afflicted. Right. So and and. It sounds crazy to say it, but I like that word miserable <laughs> because it, it, it shows something that mercy really does. When there is misery, mercy takes a role in looking to somehow alleviate the misery. That's a good point. And, and I think it's important for us to understand, well, this is how mercy works. This is where mercy comes into play. And... For, for me, Jonathan, understanding exactly what mercy is and what it isn't, because oftentimes we look at God's grace, mm-hmm. and I know I'm, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but we look at God's grace as being this all-encompassing overview of of all of the things that God does for us. Right. Mercy and grace are actually different, but they work together. Okay. So we want to figure out how they fit together and, 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 and put it all, all in place. Um, you know, men... Of mercy, men towards men, exercising the virtue of mercy to show oneself merciful to your fellow man. That's another sort of definition of the word for mercy. Okay, okay, cool. And then in God's mercy toward men, in, in general, overruling, uh, clemency, those are the things that we look at for, in mercy from God. So now, how about offering his sons uh, as our salvation? Well, and that, Is that part of mercy? I think that's a huge part of mercy and we're going to see that because it brings up the other part you know like grace is on one side of mercy mm-hmm. justice on, is on the other side okay uh, and interesting. so so and this is going to all unfold as we go through the program but you know the, the ransom of jesus plays into that whole picture so perfectly it's just like it's perfect <laughs> Folks, if you have a thought, we're talking about mercy. We'd love to hear your thoughts, your experiences with mercy. 866-985-4255. Toll free. 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. And that means we're on right now. And stay connected to Rick and I at ChristianQuestions.com no matter the day or time. Let's take a look, Jonathan, at mercy in action. And I love this because it's Jesus' example of mercy in action. We're going to go to Matthew 9, 9 to 13. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting in the tax collector's booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And he got up and followed him. Then it happened that as Jesus was reclining at the table in the house, It's Matthew's house. Behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were dining with Jesus and his disciples. So Matthew's peeps were there. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) When the Pharisees saw this, They said to his disciples, why is your teacher eating with the tax collectors and sinners? Why those peeps and why not our peeps? That's what they're saying. But when Jesus heard this, he said, it is not 
uh, those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire compassion and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but the sinner. So Jesus' answer to the Pharisees as to why are you eating with the corrupt people is that because they're the sick ones and they need compassion. But he's also telling them, go and learn what I'm telling you here. Right. Mercy. Right, and he's <laughs> quoting the scripture we talked about earlier. He's quoting oh. Hosea 6.6. 6. Oh, that's right. Okay, so he's quoting from that scripture. As, so there you get a direct link from mercy in the Old Testament to mercy in the New Testament. Good point. Okay, so there's a direct link there. But he's saying, go figure out what it means that mercy is the most important thing and not all the sacrifices and not all the things mm-hmm, that you mm-hmm. do. Go learn what that means. And this is a huge hint as to how important mercy ends up being. He desires compassion. Right. Mercy. Yes. So, so uh, and, and let's give, Jonathan, as we end this first segment, let's give a definition of, of how we see mercy here. Mercy is undeserved compassion bestowed upon someone who deserves a negative consequence, and thereby mercy brings relief of pain, suffering, or misery. Okay, let me, let me just say that again as yes. we wrap this up. Mercy is undeserved compassion bestowed upon someone who deserves a negative consequence, and thereby mercy brings relief of pain, suffering, or misery. And we're going to be defining, clearly defining a lot of things this morning. And folks, one of the great ways to get that clear definition and keep it is to sign up for CQ Rewind, the full edition. At ChristianQuestions.com. You sign up for that. You get all of these things. They'll be in writing. It'll make it easier to understand. And especially with a subject like this, you really want to get mercy because Jesus is focused. Not only did he live with mercy, but he focused on teaching us how to live mercifully. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, what does it mean to be merciful? Coming up, what does justice have to do with mercy? Are they separate and not harmonious, or can they work together? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, what does it mean to be merciful? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And Jonathan, in the first segment, we took a quick look at mercy in the Old Testament, a little bit of a look at mercy in the New Testament. And so now we've got to figure out how mercy works. Right. Where does it belong in the overall treatment of other people? Because we've got all of these things. You're supposed to, to love everybody. You're supposed to have integrity. You're supposed to, you know, issue an example of God's grace. And, and you're supposed to be merciful. Well, where, be compassionate to where, everyone. Where does that fit in relation to the rest of of the other things. And so what's mercy based on? I guess that's really what we want to ask here. Uh, Before we get into this, though, Jonathan, one of the things that I think is really fascinating is when you look up mercy in the scriptures and you start to look up how it's used, almost all the time it's about God's mercy toward humankind. Okay. It's rarely about our mercy one to another. 
So you were telling us the ratio at the break. Yeah, I, there was like maybe 10 scriptures that I saw that were really focused on our mercy one to another. Okay. And 80 or 90 or 100 scriptures that are talking about God's mercy to us. And, you know, in some of those other scriptures, I'm counting whole psalms as a one scripture. Wow. You know, okay. Psalm 136, every single verse, I think, in the psalm says, you know, God is good for his mercy endures forever. Okay, yes, so yes. I'm not counting all 30-something <laughs> verses there, you know. Wow. So it, it's interesting that it, it really does focus on God's mercy, but yet we are told emphatically that we should have mercy one to another in our own lives. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How does that work? Well, there's several scriptures that group mercy and justice together for us. So let's take a look at those. We already read Micah 6, 8, but let's read it again. He hath shown thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. All right, so we've got Micah 6, 8 as sort of a basis to work from. And now mm -hmm. let's go to Hosea chapter 12, verses 5 and 6. Because Micah 6, 8 linked justice and mercy. Even the Lord, the God of hosts, the Lord is his name. Therefore return to your God, observe kindness and justice, and wait for your God continually. So... Observe kindness, the word for kindness, guess what it is. It's mercy. It's mercy. Observe kindness and justice and wait for your God continually. So you've got Old Testament scriptures that uh, put those two things together. All right, they're linking those together. Right. Justice and mercy. It's logical to assume that true and lasting mercy cannot be applied. It cannot be applied in a context where true justice does not prevail. That's interesting. And that's why I think we have to see that the scriptures link the two together. Because it's saying that, okay, for mercy to really work, justice has to be a part of it. So that, in a sense, can actually limit mercy. Oh, that's an interesting point. Because... I think that you can, you can sort of, and, and again, you, at this point you're reading into it, but read into it that mercy maybe is not necessarily too appropriate if, if something is unjust. Ah, that's unique. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. So, so with that basis, okay, of justice and mercy being linked together, let's look a little further now at the justice part uh, of the equation. Psalm eighty nine fourteen. Justice and judgments are the habitation of thy throne. Mercy and truth shall go before thy face. So there you have it again. Another Mer linking. Right. But it's now it's talking about justice as a very significant foundation. Mm -hmm. It says, justice and judgment are the habitation of thy throne. And it's kind of like saying, oh, where does God live? He lives, he, where do, or where does he reside, I should say? He resides in justice and judgment. Yeah. Uh, and so, but then it says, goes on to say right after that, that mercy and truth are a big part of this. So here we see that God Almighty has the justice-mercy connection coupled with truth. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so now let, let's put, we, we, in the first segment, we, we gave a quick definition, a quick overview of what mercy, mercy is. Sure. Okay. Now let's look at justice. Justice is the even-handed consequence bestowed upon someone based upon righteous treatment in response to their actions, words, and motivations, and thereby brings equity and balance. Justice holds to mercy to anchor its force. You need CQ Rewind yeah, to make yeah. sure you don't miss this, because this is really yeah, and, and fascinating. There, and, and again, I apologize, it, it, may, it may be come across radio-wise as a little wordy, but mm -hmm. it's important. Let me, let's go through that again. Justice is the even-handed consequence bestowed upon someone based upon righteous treatment in response to their actions, words, and motivations, and thereby 
brings equity and balance. Justice brings equity and balance. Justice holds to mercy to anchor its force. So justice needs mercy. Yes. yes. And mercy can't exist without justice. Exactly. So this is helping us to get, okay, what does it mean to be merciful? That's the main question. Mm -hmm. We're now putting mercy in the context of where it operates, where it's, where it's, it's, it's just not flippant. It's just not exactly. Oh, every it's just general thrown out there. Right, mercy has to take its proper turn in in the in the grand scheme of things, and it seems like according to scripture, you have mercy working with, following after justice. All right, now with that in mind, folks, again, if you have a thought, it's eight six six nine eight five four two five five toll free eight six six nine eight five four all. We are live Sunday mornings from seven to nine, and that means we're on right. Now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. Let's go back to the Susan Atkins story. She, again, was one of Charles Manson's uh, murderers uh, convicted uh, back in 1969 or uh, some, somewhere in, in that area of just, just cold-blooded uh, killing and served a uh, life sentence and has actually since passed away. She died in 2009. Okay. Well, we're going to go back to her telling her story of how she sort of got into the situation she was in, what she did, and then where she grew to afterwards. She met Manson when she was just 18, a topless dancer who had left home for San Francisco as a teen, eventually moving into a commune in Haight-Ashbury. Amid the partying and the drugs, she said she was just a seeker and thought she had found something in Charles Manson. She became the fourth young girl to join his family. She had a child there. She says it was his brainwashing and the drugs that drove her to join in the killing of the beautiful and magical pregnant actress, Sharon Tate. So you have a very young girl, very um, uh, impressionable yes. at 18. Uh, and, you know, Manson is well known for his ability to sway and manipulate. People. Yeah, manipulate. Yeah. That's the word. Yeah. That's the word. And so, and, and you know, now look, what, I want to be clear because we're not saying, uh, well, you know, she wasn't at fault. This, this is what we're not saying. She wasn't at fault. She, she was, was at fault. She was. She right. was absolutely, positively, 100% at fault for what she did. Um, but what we want to do is lay out how it happened and, again, what happens after the fact. Because I think that's where the idea, the question of mercy and application comes into play. So you get this very young woman who, who follows Charles Manson, a lot of drugs involved, a lot of, lot, of, lot of partying involved, and a lot of brainwashing and manipulation involved. And he helps to turn this woman into a, into a monster at some point. Mm-hmm. So now, again, we're going to go back to the scriptures here. Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And go to our website and become a Twitter follower and learn about the upcoming programs and any new updates posted. Go to ChristianQuestions.com. See, we're talking about peeps in the first segment. You got peeps, you got tweets, you got all kinds of things going on here. (laughs) Yep, We're just getting started really with Twitter. We'd love to have you come in as uh, Twitter followers uh, with Christian questions christianquestions.com is a place to go for all of this stuff uh, proverbs 3 3 jonathan is again putting some more links as to how mercy should work let not mercy and truth forsake thee bind them about thy neck write them upon the table of thine heart mercy and truth 
See, now we had the beginning of that connection in the last scripture, the Psalm 89.14, justice and judgment. Yes. The habitation of God's throne, mercy and truth shall be go before thy face. Mm-hmm. Here, not only do mercy and truth go before your face, it says bind them around your neck. Keep them close to your heart, literally. That's where mercy and truth belong in your life. One other scripture, Proverbs 16.6. By mercy and truth... Iniquity is purged, and by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. Now that, to me, is fascinating, because it says, by mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. It doesn't say by justice. No, it doesn't. So I think there's, there's something interesting about where justice fits and where mercy fits in, in terms of all of this. So, and, and uh, first of all, just, just on the mercy-truth connection, okay, because I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. Truth has its roots in, in God. Obviously, mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. The author of truth. Therefore, truth has its basis in justice. Right. See, truth is not truth unless it's based in justice because it comes from God, and that's the key. God's truth is always based in justice. Well, when, what does the court want? Well, the court of law. When you are, want the truth, the whole truth, and nothing exactly. but the truth. So, truth and justice have to work together. And when you have God's truth coming from God, it has to be based in justice. See, mercy would not exist but for justice. Mm. Mercy is undeserved compassion. Again, we, we read this, we, we talked about this in the, in the first segment. But mercy is undeserved compassion bestowed upon someone who deserves a negative consequence and thereby brings relief of pain, suffering, or misery. Mercy seeks grace to multiply its reach. So now grace is going to be entering into the equation. So now we've got a lot of things. We've got justice. We've got mercy. We have truth. We have got truth. And now, and now grace is being spoken of. Okay. So what we're seeing is mercy has a place from which it can operate. And what does mercy mean? It's that compassion that looks to relieve misery and difficulty. And mercy is an action. Yes, You've got to do it. You've exactly. got to live it. Yeah, you can't say, you can't just Oh, think I'm merciful. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sitting around, doing nothing. Oh, I'm thinking merciful thoughts. <laughs> right. If you are not being merciful, thinking about it is of no help right. whatsoever because mercy is one of those actions that literally changes somebody else. Mm. It's, it changes their circumstances. So that's a big deal. It is a, this is a how to do Christianity uh, seminar when you, <laughs> when you think about mercy. Doing Christianity means being, living the action of mercy. Good, good point on that. So again, let's look at mercy in action. And who are we going to go back to? Jesus. Why? Because he is the epitome of what mercy is, what it looks like, and how it works. As they were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him, and two blind men sitting by the road, hearing that Jesus was passing by, cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd sternly told them, Be quiet. But they cried out all the more, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus stopped and called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, we want our eyes to be opened. Moved with compassion, Jesus touched their eyes, and immediately they regained their sight and followed him. So when you think about it, again, you know, last week we were talking about healing. Yes. And there's not a great, great faith shown here. No. It's a great need. Exactly. And it says, Jesus was moved with compassion. Mercy. Mercy. (laughs) (laughs) And he touched their eyes, and immediately they regained their sight and followed him. So you look at that and say, okay, that's great. Now, how is that based in justice? I mean, because did they, were they like somebody special? No. They were just 
regular people who had regular problems. Right. And and so let's look at Isaiah sixty one one because that's going to give us a sense of how Jesus' actions here actually do have a connection with justice. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners. So that scripture, that Isaiah 61.1, is about Jesus. Yes. We know that because Jesus at one point reads that in the temple. That's right. Quotes it about himself. Right. Closes the book and says, you're seeing this scripture fulfilled before your eyes. Right. So there's no question. This is about Jesus. And what this is about is Jesus binding up the brokenhearted, proclaiming liberty to the captives. And when you look at captives, you're not just looking at people in prison literally, but in the prison of sin. Mm -hmm. And within the prison of sin is sickness. Yes. So Jesus is fulfilling the just plan of God. By coming to show that that is going to be an eventual permanent change. That's what he's showing. He's giving examples to show something in the future. So mercy in action is Jesus is moved with compassion. And see, that's the key with mercy, Jonathan, is you can be moved with compassion and you can feel bad for somebody. And do nothing. And do nothing. And therefore, you're not merciful. How sad. Jesus felt for them. He looked at them, and he, because he felt for them, he changed their circumstances. He gave of himself, his right. energy, his vitality. So mercy is a, a very important action to, uh, to, to be put in place. And as we look at the whole subject of mercy, we see now it's, you've got justice as its basis. Mercy can only operate if it's based in justice. Otherwise, it's not true mercy. Because we're being merciful towards something that, that perhaps shouldn't even belong anyway. So we have to make sure we put mercy in its context where it belongs, justice first, mercy next. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, what does it mean to be merciful? Coming up, do pride and wickedness prevent God from giving us his tender mercies? You mean his mercy is not available for all? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, what does it mean to be merciful? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. So, Jonathan, in short, to be merciful means that you are able to somehow relieve the misery or pain or difficulty of someone when you don't have to. And, and it's showing that compassion that, that right. quality that Jesus showed us how many times. <laughs> right, right. So that's what being merciful is. What we want to understand is how does mercy work in the context of God and Scripture uh, through Jesus? Because that's how we should be applying mercy. The way we're taught in the Scriptures is the method which, with which we should be looking to apply mercy. So, the, the big question is, okay, how does God's mercy express itself? That's a great place. You start sure. at the top and you work your way down. Absolutely. All right, so let's look at Psalm 36, 5 to 12. Your loving kindness... Loving kindness is... Mercy. Okay, let's just make sure we understand that. Your loving kindness, O Lord, extends to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Your righteousness is like the mountains of God. 
Your judgments are like a great deep. O Lord, you preserve man and beast. So that is a sweeping general look at the greatness of God. And it says, this is an expression of your mercy. It's as big as it gets. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. How precious is your loving kindness, O God? Yeah, is your mercy. Loving kindness is mercy. And the children of men take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They drink their fill of the abundance of your house. So you went from as big as it gets to something very personal. Yeah, it does. It It comes right down to you. Taking refuge in the shadow of his wings. What a great picture that is of of, of the mother bird, you know, sheltering the the, the baby bird. Oh, sure. So it gives you a real good sense of that. Let's skip down to verse 10. Oh, continue your loving kindness mercy to those who know you and your righteousness to the upright in heart. Let not the foot of pride come upon me and let not the hand of the wicked drive me away. So here we've got now, when we look at this Psalm 36, 5 to 12 scripture, how does God's mercy express itself? God's mercy surrounds the earth. It protects the feeble and is reachable as long as we do not allow our own pride or another's wickedness to interfere. Right. But but also, Rick, it says this other point, to those who you know. Right. Does that mean, okay, so he shows mercy to those he chooses to, but not to everybody else. Well, and you look at that and say, that's what it seems to say, and that is true. So now, how is that? And, and I think what we need to see is God's mercy has different levels of expression at different times. Okay, the timing thing then. Right, right, All absolutely. Right. And, and I think that God's mercy is fully expressed, and we're a little jumping ahead a little bit here, but it's fully expressed, expressed through the ransom of Jesus. Now, the ransom of Jesus was already paid, mm-hmm. but the merciful effects of the ransom of Jesus are not already seen for everybody. But for believers and followers of Jesus... It has. Exactly. But for the rest of everybody else, it is yet to come. So the everybody else can look at that and say, well, I'm not experiencing God's mercy. And the answer is, oh, yeah, you are. It's just you're not seeing it yet. But wait. Because the price has been paid. Mercy has been put in place. It just needs to be shown. So God's mercy does express itself through a myriad of different ways of, of approaching it. And, you know, it really comes down to, uh, well, let's look at the next scripture. First Peter 1, uh, 3 to 5. And, folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And the conversation continues next hour online and all through the week. Christian Questions is live Sunday mornings on demand with tons of topics to talk about in our featured audio archive, CQ Rewind, Facebook, and our blog, only at ChristianQuestions.com. And again, CQ Rewind, the full edition, if you're, if you're not getting it, you really don't know what you're missing. And the, the great thing is, it's free. Yeah, if it's you, an amazing job. If you, if you don't like it, you can press a button and opt out, and that's the end of it. Bonus material, graphics, illustrations, it's amazing. It is. It's, it, it really makes the program come alive. Available at ChristianQuestions.com. Sign up. It's free. First Peter 3, uh, I'm sorry, First Peter 1, 3 to 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you 
who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So, again, salvation ready to be revealed when? In the last time. But those who are following Jesus experience the mercy now. Now, in advance. So you can see that God's mercy is expressed when it's appropriate, when justice paves the way for it. Good. And it's, it's expressed to some now, to the rest later. But the, the key is everybody gets God's mercy. Everybody gets it. So, and this is all based on God's love. You know, the scripture in John says, God is love. Right. Now, we talked about justice and judgment as the habitation of God's throne. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We talked about mercy. Uh, we truth. T- we talked about grace a little bit. Mm-hmm. And truth. Okay, right. Yep. But now, what about God's love? Well, look, love is the foundation. This, and now, this is God's love we're talking about. God's love is the foundation of creation, for it is the driving force that endows all that is created with an unmistakable harmony of purpose. Love gave birth to communication, adoration, and the sacred music of discipleship. How poetic. <laughs> it's one of those You're mo- on a roll this yeah, week. <laughs> it was one of those moments, what can I tell you? But, you know, and, and to me, there is that sacred music of discipleship. And what discipleship is in Christ is the you, you are, are getting the precursor of what's to come to everyone else. You just get it ahead of time because you've chosen to dedicate yourself to following the footsteps of Jesus in a time when it's not convenient, when it's not easy, and when people laugh at you. But it's such a privilege. It is, and it is such an expression of God's mercy and then grace. So love is the foundation piece. So now we've got love, which creates justice. You think about that. God's love. Had to be first. It did, because justice, he would not have created a just environment if he didn't have love. Good point. And so you have that, that God is love is the very basis, and justice is born out of that. And now mercy can operate because justice is there, because God's love started it all. See, now it's falling <laughs> awesome. into place. They work together. They do. And folks, look, if, if we're not on in your area for the second hour, yeah, obviously, we're, we're just getting warmed up on this. Oh, yeah. So if we're not on in your area for the second hour, go to ChristianQuestions.com, look, click on the Listen Live button, and stay with us because the conversation will continue. That's ChristianQuestions.com. Listen live. Um, Jonathan, let's go back to Susan Atkins. Now, again, she is a cold-blooded, heartless murderer sentenced to life in prison. She's serving her prison term. And now, 37 years later, she is asking for mercy. So let's see what's happened to her during that period of time in prison. All these years after the murder, Atkins dying from brain cancer, and her family are the ones pleading for mercy. She's been incarcerated at the California Institution for Women at Frontiers for 37 years, denied parole 11 times. I spoke to her in 2002. She said she was a different person, hadn't given up hope of being released. By the way, there was a ceremony with applause underway in a nearby room. You know a person by their behavior. And my behavior in this, in, in this institution speaks to the change that occurred. Over 30 years ago, I'm not the same person that I was when I came in here. So she is speaking of a change that occurred over 30 years ago. And she, just to sort of put the pieces in place, she became a Christian and was living her life within the confines of prison in as selfless a manner as she could, spending her time being, being helpful and, and, and guiding and directing and encouraging others. And so you think about that and you say, okay, uh, you have a 30-year track record of living a different kind of life. 
and now she's asking for mercy. And this was back in 2008 or nine, I forget which, um, that because she's uh, shown such a change. So do you grant her mer- the, the, the clemency or do you not? Because the change has been put in place. And remember, the, the, the concept of mercy is to relieve the misery of someone. That's right. Okay, where it's not necessarily required to. So this is a perfect example. It really is. To put the subject on the table and have a, I don't want to have a heated debate, but you can certainly get heated about it from one standpoint sure, or the other. Sure, Because here you have somebody who was a cold-blooded killer. There's no That's question right. about that. That's right. And she admits that. So all of that being said, let's go back to the scriptures again. And folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. Titus 3, 4-7. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of any works of righteousness that we had done, but according to His mercy. See, we don't earn mercy. Mercy comes because God wants to give it. Through the water of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. This Spirit He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by His grace we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So you have the introduction of grace here as well. Yes. And, and that's going to complete the equation, if you will. But God's mercy is expressed through the availability of the water of worth, of rebirth, uh, which leads to the Spirit. Mm-hmm. So that, that is God's mercy, and <clears throat> all of that brings us to living in God's grace. So it's, it's like, Jonathan, God's, when, when you express mercy, you, you put mercy in place. It's an action mm-hmm. that opens a door to living a, a different way. Yes. So mercy is applied, it's taken up, and then you can live a different way afterwards. And, and, and that's where God's grace is going to come in. We're going to be talking about that uh, in the second hour. So one more scripture because we're almost out of time here. Hebrews four fourteen to 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So, again, we may receive mercy and grace, find grace to help. So, and and that, see... Pay close attention to the way that's worded. We may receive mercy. That's an action. Mm-hmm. And then once you've received mercy, then you're capable of finding grace. So mercy and grace, and we're going to get into that in, in the next segment. That's the first segment of the second hour. Mercy and grace are different, but they're incredibly intertwined. Mercy comes before grace, but it comes after justice, which is based on God's love. Now we can begin to see how mercy really works. So the question is, Jonathan, and this is a great question when you've got two minutes left. But, <laughs> okay, so how do we live mercy? What, what are we supposed to do as Christians to live mercifully? And, and that means to live that action of being willing to give mercy. And I think when we look at that, really the answer has to come from first understanding where mercy fits. We want to apply mercy wherever it's appropriate. So, th- and when we say that, that means it's not always appropriate. That's right. Okay. So you need to. And how do you know it's appropriate? Well, because it's, there's a there's a justice basis for it, mm-hmm. built on God's love. Right. And but we are supposed to be living lives where we are willing to give 
even though it may not be to our best advantage to give to that other person. No. Sometimes it even hurts. And, and It's a sacrifice sometimes. Again, in the second hour, we're going to get into some specific examples of what Jesus says about that. But that's how we're supposed to do it. So it, it, it costs us something. That's right. In this world to live mercifully. And maybe you end up having a reputation of being, uh, you know, uh, George Dormat kind of a person where you get stepped all over. Oh, yeah. What do you you know? That's not what they deserve. And, And the point is mercy given is never what someone deserves. It is a gift based on love and justice. So to live with mercy is to live above the fray of give them what they deserve. And it's to live in the context of given what's available because of love and justice. I'm looking forward to the difference between grace and mercy coming up next hour. And so, folks, again, if we're, if we're not on in your area for the next hour, go to ChristianQuestions.com, click Listen Live, and stay with us because there's much, much more to talk about, about what it means to be merciful. Also, don't forget to like us on Facebook. If you want to email us, you can do so at Rick, R-A-C-K, at ChristianQuestions.net, Rick at ChristianQuestions.net. For Jonathan Rick, it's Christian Questions. We're talking about mercy and how do you practically live mercy as a Christian in a world where mercy is laughed at and scorned by most. Coming up in the second hour, what does it mean to be merciful? We'll be back soon. Think about it. is Christian Questions. Charles Spurgeon once said, The Lord's mercy often rides to the door of our heart upon the black horse of affliction. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Christian Questions Talk Radio with your breakfast with Jonathan and Rick. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience, and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. And Jonathan, we have got kind of a deep subject this morning. It really is. And who would have thought the, the subject of mercy would be deep? Yeah, well, but it really is. Yeah, especially after the last few weeks we were talking during the break about, you know, we were getting into some heavy-duty things about, yes. you know, healing and, and all of those things. I mean, the idea of, hey, let's talk about mercy. It was like, let's be light. But no. <laughs> <laughs> Very technical. <laughs> it, but it's important to get what mercy really, really is and how mercy uh, is supposed to work. So, so what's the, the, the question and what's the scripture? Uh, our question is, Rick, what does it mean to be merciful? And our theme text is found in Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 and 23. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. I love that scripture. That's awesome. It, because it just gives you a sense of the renewable quality of God's mercies in our lives. Mm-hmm. And we're going to really try to expand on that as we go through this, uh, this second hour. So mercy, at the end of the first hour, you, you talked about you know, finding out the difference, the real difference between mercy and grace. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. 
So let's get started with that. What's the difference between mercy and grace? Well, we defined mercy in the first hour, Jonathan. Let's go back and, 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 and just redefine that. And mercy is undeserved compassion bestowed upon someone who deserves a negative consequence and thereby brings relief of pain, suffering, or misery. So undeserved compassion, that's the key. It's undeserved compassion. Right. And it's bestowed upon someone to br- bring some kind of relief. Yes. All right. Now, grace is a little different. Grace is undeserved favor or standing bestowed upon someone who is not capable of earning such recognition and thereby brings previously unattainable opportunity. Wow. So mercy relieves pain and suffering. To, su- to, to someone who's not necessarily deserving. Mm-hmm. Grace brings favor and unattainable opportunity to someone who just couldn't have done that for themselves. On their own, yeah. So there's still the, 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 um, the similarity is both are undeserved. Right. One is compassion and one is favor. One is, is, is uh, helping to relieve pain and misery. The other is giving uh, a step up. So it's, it, they're, they're, they are connected, but they're very different. We have Interesting. To, it is. It is fascinating. And again, we want to tr- try and really figure out how do you live a life of mercy. We've been listening to the unfolding of the story of Susan Atkins, a murderer, um, one of Charles Manson's uh, murderers from 1969. She was in prison for 37 years, and af- after 37 years asking for mercy, this was from an interview in 2002 with Diane Sawyer. And the key thing is, Jonathan, about six or seven years into her incarceration, she changed. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. became a Christian, and she had a 30-year track record of living a different kind of life. So the question is, well, should mercy apply here or not? Let's go back to a little bit more of that interview as we hear about her living a transformed life. And Charles Manson himself has said, I didn't make them do anything. They did what they wanted to do. They did what they Mm -hmm. had inside them to do. It's Mm -hmm. who they were. I can't answer for what Charles Manson says. I don't know anymore what is in his mind. She said she has tried to live a transformation, spiritual enlightenment, helping others. One time I asked her why she keeps trying, and she said that she knew that she couldn't change public opinion. But that's not why you do good things. That's not why you try to help people. And that, that's a profound statement. And, and that was actually, um, I think that was her husband who was, who was, who was speaking that. And, and basically what, what he was saying is she had become so focused on trying to do the right thing. She wanted to, to have mercy, but she said she knew that public opinion was not going to change. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean you don't, you don't, you don't continue to do the right thing. Right. So he's saying, well, I want to just give up. And she says, because that's not the right thing. And that's not me now. Right. And, and so what a far cry from what she was right. to what she became. And again, you have years and years and years of proof of this, this sort of this new lease on life. Isn't rehabilitation what is ex- you know, desired for right. someone that makes a mistake? And that person certainly seemed to be rehabilitated through and through. Yeah. Just, and you can tell even by the, the sound of her voice, it has that humility it does. attached to it. So the question is, should mercy have been applied or do you not apply it? And that's it in that case. What it, about justice? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, 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 right. But remember, mercy is founded in justice. Uh, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. All right, let's go back to mercy in action again. 
And when we go back to mercy in action, who do we go to? Jesus. Because he is mercy in action. I don't know how much more clear we can be. If you want to figure out how to apply mercy, look at Jesus. Luke 10, 30-37. Jesus replied and said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers, and they stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. And then we skip a few verses. Go ahead. But a Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion and came to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. And he put on his own, put him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I return, I will repay you. Okay, so now here you have this Samaritan giving mercy to this man who was essentially someone who would lo- have looked down upon him. Yes. Because the Jews looked down upon the Samaritans. That's they, right. they were not friends. They were not cozy, cozy. They were not bosom buddies. They no. were just, you know, living different lives, different ways. And yet you have this Samaritan give it, the, the, the Jewish guys bypassed him, remember? That's right. The, the priest and the Levite? Yeah. But the Samaritan is the one who goes and shows mercy. Undeserved, he's relieving pain and misery and suffering, and it's costing him to do it. So it, it fill, fulfills all of the things that we are talking about, about what mercy means it in, really does. in this story that Jesus is telling. So let's finish it up. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? And he said, the one who showed mercy toward him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do the same. What a great lesson. He uses a priest and a Levite, and he, and he shows how they're not showing mercy. Right. And he uses the Samaritan, and he says, now go and do what he did. Go live that way, because that is what God really, truly wants of you. Mm-hmm. So now, how do all the elements uh, fit together? We've, got, we, we've talked about several things in the first hour and up to now. Justice, love, mercy, and grace. Yes. Okay, so let's, let's kind of put them all in order. And now this is, this is showing God's mercy or, or God, God's approach. Okay, God's love. That's, that's the beginning. That's where it all starts. God is love. God's love is the foundation of creation. It's the driving force that endows all that is created with an unmistakable harmony of purpose. Love gave birth to communication, adoration, and the sacred music of discipleship. Love needs justice to flourish. I like that. It needs justice. So, okay, Jonathan, what's justice? Justice is driven by love. It is the even-handed consequence bestowed upon someone based upon righteous treatment in response to their actions, words, and motivations, and thereby brings equity and balance. Justice holds to mercy to an anchor its force. So love is the foundation. Justice is driven by love. Mm -hmm. And, And oftentimes we don't think of it that way, but that's the truth. Justice is driven by love, but justice has to hold to mercy to anchor its force. That's right. So otherwise, justice could get essentially carried away. Good point. So mercy then, mercy would not exist but for justice. You can't have mercy, true mercy, without justice. Mercy is undeserved compassion bestowed upon someone who deserves a negative consequence, and mercy thereby brings relief of pain, suffering, or misery. Mercy seeks grace to multiply its reach. So mercy is the doorway through which grace we, through which we can find grace. And what is grace? Grace is born out of mercy. Grace is undeserved favor or standing bestowed upon someone who is not capable of earning such recognition and thereby brings previously unattainable opportunity. 
Grace is defined by love. So it's a great big circle. They're all inter- they all in- intertwine with each exactly, other. Exactly, but you have to start with God's love. You start with God's love, and you can find how and where to apply mercy appropriately if you follow the track that all of the scriptures give us. Because it gave us the connections of mercy, remember? Yes. It connected it with, with, with love. It connected it with justice. Truth. And grace. And grace. So yeah. it connected it. So it just has to be put in its proper place. It's, to me, folks, it's, a, it's fascinating to see where mercy applies and how we can become more merciful. Well, Rick, let's go to the phones. We have Julius from Connecticut. Good morning, Julius, and welcome to Christian Questions. Gentlemen, good morning, and greetings to all your listeners. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, even uh, on the computer. Yes. Imagine you have uh, probably worldwide. Timothy in Lebanon, greetings to him. All right. Yeah, what, what a good grief. How can I add to what you're saying? <laughs> There's so much to this subject. You've covered so much ground. Uh, one question that's always uh, in my mind, that always probes my mind, that is uh, Paul in Romans eleven thirty-five, I think it is, where he says, uh, For who has known the mind of God, or who has been his counselor? Anyway, uh, I would uh, uh, push myself to study God's rules more, God's character. Here's a point. Uh, in the Old Testament, which I believe is the basis for all the scriptures uh, about God's character, whenever God set a rule in motion or did some act or punishment, whatever, he would give a reason. He would, the basic reason was to protect the rest of the people, to protect the community. See, uh, the, 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 uh, we got to keep that in mind. I try to keep that in mind what, on how to apply justice. What is good for the rest of the people, right. humanity, the community, and so forth. Anyhow, uh, key scripture I'll leave you with. Actually, one of my favorite scriptures uh, along this line of justice, and that is Romans 13, verse 10. In one of the translations I have in Romans 13, 10, it says, Love does not, no wrong to a neighbor. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. You see how the rules come in, justice comes in? They, they're, they're, like you said, they, they just, uh, you know, they're part of each other. They're inseparable. Yes. Thank you. God bless. Thank you, Julius. Appreciate your call. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So, Julius, as usual, adds uh, some gems to the conversation and, and puts it, again, gives us another scripture to show us the connection between uh, these things. So, Julius, thanks so much for the call. We appreciate it. Jonathan, you know, we talked about love, justice, mercy, and grace. Mm-hmm. Here's a scripture, Ephesians 2, 4-7, to that has all four of those elements all in this one text. Oh, neat. It, yeah, it just shows us that this is, this is the way to find where mercy applies. But God, being rich in mercy... Now, they're okay. He's rich in mercy. Because of his great love with which he loved us, all right, so that's the the basis, the beginning. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. So being dead in our transgressions shows us the justice. By grace you have been saved 
and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So God being rich in mercy, because of his love, because of his justice, opens the door for grace. Mm, beautiful. So grace is the end result. And one last scripture, we won't read it, but in Matthew twenty three twenty three, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. And he's saying, woe to you, because you're, 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 you're paying the things, you're paying your little tithes. But you're neglecting the most important thing. Judgment and mercy. Yeah. And faith. He's saying you're, in, you're, you're neglecting the important things. You're doing the things that are, that are rote, that are mechanical, but you're not being transformed by what those mechanical things are supposed to be bringing you. So doing the weightier matters of the law would have granted them mercy, which would have lined them up for potential grace, and the call of Christianity would have stayed with the Jewish nation. Right. How tragic is that? Because they did not focus, and therefore God's mercy in that area for them at that time was not appropriate. It was withdrawn. It was absolutely withdrawn. So we can see that God's mercy isn't just, isn't just willy-nilly. It's just not all over the place. It's given in the context of justice and judgment so that things can be put together the way they're supposed to be. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject, what does it mean to be merciful? Coming up. Rick, Rick thinks mercy is not getting what you do deserve, and grace is getting what you do not deserve. Do you agree? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, what does it mean to be merciful? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And Jonathan, as we go through this subject uh, of, of mercy, really we want to, in this segment, focus on how do we express mercy? What are we supposed to do? And you mentioned something at the end of the last segment. Yeah, I, w- I was uh, thinking that uh, for God to be merciful to us, it doesn't mean that we have to be physic- just physically hurt for him to show right, mercy. Because mercy is a relieving of pain or misery. Exactly, but... We could have emotional issues, mental, spiritual issues, besides the physical. So we have all these challenges, and then God, through all of these areas, can give us mercy to to help us out, bring us back. Uh, give us strength. So mercy applies to much, much, much more than just relieving a physical difficulty. Yes, it does. And, and I think that's a really important point as we move forward. Now, uh, we you, you talked about uh, mercy is, and this was a great short definition of mercy and, and grace. Um, one of our, our researchers gave these to me. I'm not sure what the exact source is, but uh, mercy is not getting what you do deserve. Grace is getting what you do not deserve. And I think it really fits well because it's a stepping stone. If you experience mercy from God first, it opens the door to being able to experience grace. And you can't experience God's grace without experiencing God's mercy. That's so cool. Which can't be done unless justice is in place. And all based on love. So it all fits together. So let's look at the following teaching of Jesus. And now is he telling us to give people what they deserve? Folks, if you have a thought, it's 
888-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And go to ChristianQuestions.com and check out our over 500 archive programs you can listen to on a variety of subjects. ChristianQuestions.com, and don't forget CQ Rewind. Sign up for the full edition. There's so much stuff in here with this subject on mercy, and there's so many points that fit together according to scripture it really helps to define how mercy works and if you're not getting secret rewind the full edition then you're missing half the point you can sign up for it at christianquestions.com it's a free service there is no obligation all right so in the following teaching what is jesus telling us and this begs the question jonathan well what if somebody does something to hurt you what if somebody um how do you how do you handle that well jesus helps us to begin to deal with this in luke 6 27 to 36 but i say to you who hear love your enemies do good to those who hate you bless those who curse you pray for those who mistreat you whoever hits you on the cheek offer the other also all right whoever hits you on the cheek offer the other also don't retaliate and again this doesn't have to necessarily be physical hitting if somebody is hitting you emotionally or, or spiritually, it, Jesus is saying, don't retaliate. That's what he's saying. And whoever takes away your coat, do not withhold your shirt from him either. So Jesus is saying, not just physical, but give to those who take. And these are all acts of mercy. These are all undeserved acts of mercy that relieve somebody else's pain. And you say, well, how is, how is not retaliating relieving their pain? Because people, when people do things like that, they're hurting. They are. And you're showing them love that can relieve their pain. Give to everyone who asks of you. And whoever takes away what is yours, do not demand it back. So Jesus is saying, be merciful. Give to those who are in need. So he's giving us, don't retaliate. Give to those who take. Give to those in need. Let's continue. Treat others the same way you want them to treat you. All right. Live justly. So he's saying, make sure that you live in a just manner, treating others with the same compassion and mercy that you would like them to treat you. And that, that's a mouthful right there. It is. And if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is it to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. So Jesus is saying, don't just do it where it's convenient like everybody else. He's saying, live to a higher standard. And that's where mercy really comes into play. When we decide to live mercifully, we are deciding to live by a higher standard than the world generally accepts. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. You will be sons of the Most High, for he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. So here it is. It's, he's wrapping up the teaching with that last phrase. Be merciful. How merciful? Just as your Father is merciful. So when we lay out God's love and God's justice and God's mercy and God's grace, that is a template for us to follow in our mercy toward others. And Rick, you, you call that mercy magnified. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and and you, the, the question, well, what if, someone, what, if, what if somebody steals your car? Should you say, well, okay, let me apply mercy here and just say, well, you're forgiven. See, I don't think that's appropriate. I think justice needs to be served in, in that. And there needs to be a consequence because they broke the law. 
Mm-hmm. So you say, well, where does mercy apply? Well, they, they, they break the law, they're caught, and they suffer a consequence. But you don't have to hold on to that. And you can, by your testimony, for instance, if there is that, that, that sense of, of recompense, and you, you can help to relieve their suffering and their, their misery. So it doesn't mean that a Christian is just supposed to say, oh, forget about everything. You know, there's no, no worthy consequence to anything. You know, in, in Jesus' example, he wasn't talking about breaking laws. He was talking about people abusing you. That's right. So, and in those cases, we should be much mercy first. Because, okay, somebody hits you, you know, the, the, sure, I'm, I'm justified to hit them back. But Jesus is saying, don't do that. So we have to see how it fits according to justice. Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And we want to hear what you have to say about today's topic. Post your comments on our Facebook page and go to our blog. Go to ChristianQuestions.com. Okay, so... Uh, let's go back to the uh, to to Susan Atkins again, and then I got a, a question that uh, our call screener just put over on the table. See, whenever we're explaining something and we sort of miss a point, she always comes in here and says, "Well, what about this? Don't forget." <laughs> so this is like this is like good stuff because it helps to keep focused. Uh, but we're going to listen to Susan Atkins again. Um, again, her 2002 interview uh, with Diane Sawyer. She was a murderer. She's in prison. She was looking for mercy, and this is about her living. Uh, remorse, and this is this is vital in understanding her plight. Sharon Tate's father, Paul, wrote, "31 years ago, I sat in a courtroom with a jury and watched with others. I saw a young woman who giggled, snickered, and shouted out insults, even while testifying about my daughter's last breath. She laughed. What argument can you make to him? There is no. There is only the continued attempt." to apologize to him every time I've gone to the board I've made every attempt possible to apologize remorse and sorrow for hideous actions is not calculatable you can't calculate it it's not something that's tangible what remorse is is not sitting in a prison cell for the rest of your life crying over what happened and what you cannot change. Remorse is genuine repentance, turning away from behavior. And that's profound. It is. It's, she's saying, look, you know, I can't undo what I did, and I did it. You know, and, and during this interview, she said, you know, make no mistake, I did it. I, and and it, in, in her act of murder, Jonathan, one of the things she said uh, to, to the person she, one of the people she was killing as she was ready to kill that woman, is she said, I have no mercy on you, as mm. she stabbed her to death. Mm. So, and here, you know, she's looking back on her own actions and saying, look, it was hideous. It was hideous. And all I can do is seek to apologize and live a life that is transformed. That's the best. She took action right. to show her remorse. And she's saying, okay, but can I be released now that I, after 30 years, have taken this this." different path and that's a big question and you notice we haven't answered that no we haven't <laughs> so it gives you a sense of of how important is it to make sure we we put in our lives what 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 this woman did susan atkins is she put mercy into her life as far as she could reach it 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the in the circumstances she she was given, and you give her credit for that. She was a she was a monster earlier in her life. There's no question about that. But is mercy always appropriate? Right. That's that's the question. Now, now, Jonathan, just before we get to the next scripture, going back to the last one, you know, Jesus is saying, you know, someone hits you on the right cheek, you know, turn and let him hit the other one. So. The question is, okay, is Jesus saying, uh, then don't, uh, so stay in an environment where you get beat up all the time because that's what you're supposed to do? That's not what he's saying. No, he's not saying He's that. just simply saying, don't retaliate. Uh, you know, obviously, what we are supposed to do is do the best we can to take care of ourselves, um, to, to follow after, and continue to live in the grace of God. Yes. So if you're in an environment where that's happening, you don't have to retaliate to that other person, but you can walk away from it. Yes. And yes. there's Good a point. big difference between retaliating and walking away, because it, it, or, or just sitting there and just taking it. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying his... his Lesson is for the specific purpose to say, don't get back at them. Be merciful. But he's not saying, don't, don't protect yourself. Right. Okay. Good. So I think that's, that's another important point. Another great parable here coming up, uh, we're looking at how do we express mercy. Jesus in Luke 6 gave us a lot of examples on how to express mercy. We go to Matthew 18, and Jesus again is teaching us through a parable regarding kindness and mercy. So every time we talk about, well, how does it work, whose words do we go to? Jesus. Because he is the primary example of God's love, God's justice, God's mercy, and then God's grace. Matthew 18. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he had begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And that's like an an, 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 uh, unbelievable amount of money. But since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and his children and that all uh, they had and repayment to be made. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you everything. And the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. So... This man was forgiven a debt. There was mercy shown, and this was a debt that he could not repay. Right. It was just far too large, and of course, this is the, the, the picture of the world of mankind being in sin. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there was a debt that was far too large, and he, the Lord, God in heaven through Jesus, had compassion and forgave him the debt. But that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And he seized him and began to choke him, saying, Pay back what you owe. So his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you. But he was unwilling and went and threw him in prison until he should pay back all that was owed. So when we look at that and we look at this slave's response and we look back to the previous scripture, the last verse of the previous scripture was, Be merciful, just as your Father in heaven is merciful. Mm -hmm. Was this guy doing what his master did for him? No. He was doing exactly the opposite. Now that I'm out, I've got to get myself back together. Who owes me a few cents? Let me go get them and throttle them and make sure I get that money. Right. And so it was a, a, a classic misrepresentation of what mercy did for him. Mercy released him. And what we should do when mercy releases us from, from misery is seek to provoke that mercy toward others. That's right. And he did exactly the opposite. So what happens? So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported their, their Lord all that had happened. Then summoning him, his Lord said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have been merciful to your fellow slave in the same way that I 
had mercy on you. So Jesus again is teaching us that we have been recipients of mercy. We need we need to. We're obligated to turn around and give that mercy. So we can live mercifully by caring. That's right. Okay, C A R E, care. Okay, that's an acronym for what? Care, C. Claiming the mercy of God on our behalf. Okay, so you claim the mercy that's given. A. Appropriating the mercy of God on our behalf. Appreciating. I'm sorry, appreciating, yes. Close. (laughs) So we claim God's mercy and we appreciate God's mercy. R. Realizing the magnitude of God's mercy on our behalf related to our small earthly issues. So with God's mercy, you not only claim it and appreciate it, but you have to realize its magnitude. So there's a lot to that. And then E. Extending the mercy of God on our behalf to those who have power over. So, so those we have power over, we need to, we need to care. C-A-R-E. And again, Christian CQ Rewind, the full edition. It's all there. This is a little acronym that helps us to remember the role that mercy plays in our lives and how we should be expressing it. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, what does it mean to be merciful? Coming up, is mercy always appropriate for Christians? Isn't that the wimpy way out? But what about judgment? You'll get yours. That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, what does it mean to be merciful? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now on our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And Jonathan, as we begin to wrap this program up, we have to ask that question. We've been talking about how we need to live with mercy, live with mercy, live with mercy. Well, is mercy always appropriate? That's the question. <laughs> and, and it's a good question. So as we begin to get into this, let's, let's wrap up the Susan Atkins story um, just with, with one last soundbite to kind of get a sense of, uh, again, her sense of the things that she had done and, and the life that she chose to live after she had done such horrific acts of, of, of criminal activity. I don't want to live a life with any unforgiveness in it. So many people lost so much. The victims, the families of the victims, the families of the people who were involved, the community at large, the society at large, everybody lost. And again, that gives you the sense of how difficult this is and and, and the realization that this woman came to years later that what she did, what she was a part of, was and how many were affected? Was a lose, 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 lose prop, uh, proposition, and she was the perpetrator of everybody losing. Yes. And so she's trying to make it as right as she can after she's done the evil acts. And you say, okay, uh, there, and to me, Jonathan, it certainly seems that there is an absolute genuineness to her. Yes. And you say, okay, well, where does mercy play a role in that? And, and you know, just let me throw in a, a thought on that. Okay. Because I think God's mercy plays a role right here. Do I think she should have been released? No, I don't, actually. 
because of the, the the nature of her crime. The justice needed to be met. Right, and actually, if you subscribe, if you want to subscribe to Seeker Rewind, the full edition, go to ChristianQuestions.com. The epilogue, what happened after, is actually in the Rewind full edition, the bonus material. Again, ChristianQuestions.com, sign up for Seeker Rewind. I think God's mercy worked in her by helping her to transform her life where she was. And I think even though she was still incarcerated, I think that that was God's mercy shown to her. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. the ability to give and to, to help to transform others. I think that was the expression of God's mercy in her life. That being said, um, actually, why don't we go to the phone? All right. Well, we have Randall from Connecticut. Good morning, Randall, and welcome to Christian Questions. Good morning. Happy Sunday, guys. To you, too. We have Colossians 3.12. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, heartfelt compassion, gentleness, impatience. The Christian is called to the mercy of the Good Samaritan every day, the mercy that recognizes our dignity in God. Ephesians 4.32, forgiving one another as God has forgiven you in Christ. It may not be as dramatic, but our everyday attitude can be that of the Samaritan. We can be patient in line, forgiving when cut off in traffic, overlook the mistakes of a friend. In short, our daily life should not tear, but bind up. Mercy every moment, every day. Romans twelve twenty one. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. Randall, thanks so much. Great scripture to end God with. bless you guys. Take care. And again, do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. That has everything to do with mercy. Mm-hmm. It really, truly does. So let's look at Israel's command toward mercy back in the Old Testament. Because is mercy always appropriate? When you think of Israel, you think of the law. Right. The letter of the law. Mm-hmm. Well, here's how God told them to act. Zechariah 7, 8 through 14. Then the word of the Lord came to Zechariah, saying, Thus has the Lord of hosts said, Dispense true justice. There's the law. And practice kindness. Mercy. And compassion each to his brother. And do not oppress the widow or the orphan, the stranger or the poor. And do not devise evil in your hearts against one another. So he's saying, dispense true justice. Yes, live by the law and practice mercy. But what happened to Israel? But they refused to pay attention and turned a stubborn shoulder and stopped their ears from hearing. They made their hearts like flint so that they could not hear the law and the words which the Lord of hosts had sent by his spirit through the former prophets. Therefore, great wrath came from the Lord of hosts. So here he's saying that Israel didn't listen to how God said to live. Dispense true justice, practice kindness and compassion each to his brother. Don't oppress others, but live according to justice and mercy. And they did not listen. And then what happens? What was the consequence? Jump down to verse 14. But I scattered them with a strong wind among all nations whom they have not known. Thus the land is desolated behind them, so that no one went back and forth, for they made the pleasant land, desolate. So the consequence was the desolation of the land of Israel. So mercy wasn't appropriate at that time. They, but they, they didn't live, right, God, mercy to them wasn't appropriate that, at that time. Why? Because they didn't live according to mercy. Right. They didn't issue mercy to others according to justice. And because of that, God's mercy was withdrawn from them. So God's mercy wasn't appropriate to them at that time because they were supposed to have been living with mercy and they weren't. Mm -hmm. So boy, it really comes down to, you know, we're not God. 
So we really got to be thinking mercy first wherever possible. Yes. Uh, because this is, seems to be what God is saying. Now let's look at Romans uh, chapter 9, verses 14 to 18. We'll just actually take the first couple of verses here. What shall we say then? There is no injustice with God, is there? May it never be. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So... God is saying, I can pick and choose. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. (laughs) I can and will pick and choose on whom I will have mercy and on whom I will have compassion. Mm -hmm. And you look at that and you say, okay, now wait a minute. If you just take that statement, what you're saying is, well, that can't be a very just God. It's selfish, isn't It, it? It sounds like, well, you know, I feel pretty merciful today, so the first four people I see, I'm going to have mercy on. That's what it sounds like. But, but that's not the truth. No, 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 no. What it's showing is at this time, in this circumstance, with this dispensation of of the unveiling of my plan, I, God, can choose where to place my mercy and compassion. Now, does God have mercy and compassion on all of his creation? Yeah, he does. How do we know? Because his plan, which was set up from the foundation of the earth, showed the sacrifice for sin even before the sin happened. That's right. The Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. So you have the precursor to the whole plan shown in the mercy that was already in place that would satisfy justice. And all will see that mercy eventually. Right. But having said that, when, and the big word there was eventually? Yes. Okay, eventually. But for right now, God in the unfolding of his plan will pick and choose according to the timing of his plan where his mercy applies and where it does not apply. Now, is that unjust? No, because the grand plan of God takes everyone into account equally. It truly does. But in the working out of the details, there are those who are going to be drawn toward him and those that are going to be walking away from him. And the interesting thing about God's plan, Jonathan, is anybody at any time in any age of God's plan who truly wanted to serve the God of Israel, Mm -hmm. he had compassion on them. Oh, he did. Anybody. So if you were a foreigner in the land of Israel, but you chose to serve God Almighty, you were taken in. And you were shown God's compassion. So it gives you a sense that God's mercy always applies to those who are seeking after him now. But will apply to all of those whether or not they sought after him later. Because the pain and misery of sickness and death will be removed. Rick, I was thinking of the quality of mothers and how they show wonderful tender mercies to raising their children. And I was trying to look at that and say, if, if we had the quality of, and compassion for humanity all around us and all of our experiences, and if we looked at them as if they were a child and we were to help nurture and teach them and instruct them uh, of, of, of proper ways, that would help us to show more mercy. Yeah, and, and that's a great example because the, the mother's merciful approach mm. to raising children. And, <laughs> and the father's the discipline. You yeah, know. <laughs> well, in our household, that's the way it was. Yeah. My, my wife is the, the embodiment of, of mercy. Yes, yeah, and of, compassion. And yes. I, was the Im- I am the embodiment of <laughs> letter of the law, get it done or suffer the consequences. And she's like, hey, come on, come on, come on, come on. You know, you, you keep, and, and when you combine the two is when you have the greatest strength. Yes. The greatest uh, guidance that you give your children. So that mother-like 
mercy is a great way to visualize our role as Christians. It really, really, truly is a good, good example. Let's go down to um, James chapter 2, verses 8 to 13 as we begin to wrap up this program. If, however, you are fulfilling the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point, he also is guilty of all. So here James is saying the royal law, and he's summing up the royal law as... Love your neighbor as yourself. And why does he sum up the royal law as that? Because Jesus said, which is the greatest commandment? And remember, he combines two. He does. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, heart mind, soul, soul yep. and strength. And, strength. and, your, and, neighbor and your neighbor as yourself. And your neighbor as yourself. So here... This is our application of mercy. Loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength is our receiving of mercy. Mm-hmm. Loving our neighbor as ourself is our giving of mercy. Exactly. I love it. Exactly. So if we receive it, we need to give it. So mercy, here's, here's the key. Mercy does not stay, it, it should not just plant and grow within us. Mm-hmm. It needs to flow through us. I love it. See, mercy, we have to be the conduit of mercy. God's mercy comes into us. It gets gets reworked as mercy to others, and it flows out from us. And God's mercies are new every morning. Great is God's faithfulness. That's our theme scripture. Yes. That gives us a sense of how we are supposed to apply our mercy toward others, the way God's mercy flows into us. And let's finish up that scripture. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment will be merciless to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. What a powerful statement that is. We have received magnificent mercy from God. We live under liberty, which encourages mercy. We are obligated, therefore, to extend mercy. Do all of these things, and mercy will triumph over judgment. So justice is applied but mercy, it takes that application of justice and makes it um, profitable in the long run because mercy opens the door for grace. Remember the four, the four parts of this. God's love is the beginning, right? Yes. Okay, God is love. So through God's love, he created a world in which it would be justice-related. That's right. So you got God's love. His and, justice. And his justice. And, and where does mercy come in? Right after justice. Because mercy cannot properly and appropriately exist unless it's founded in justice. And then comes grace. If you don't have mercy, you can't have the door open to grace because grace is granting you favor that's not deserved. Mercy is taking away consequences that are deserved. It's taking away pain and suffering that are a result of what you did yourself. So you, you take away the pain and suffering of the things that you did yourself, and it opens the door to God's grace. What a great equation this is. God's love, God's justice, God's mercy, and God's grace show us how we should build our lives based on love first. Mm-hmm. Okay, If we love one another in a just manner, then we can figure out how to be merciful. And then we can open the door to, we don't have grace that we can give others. No, we don't. But we can share God's grace with others. Yes, yes, I like that. And that's the key. Folks, that's where mercy fits in our lives. It opens the door to God's grace. What better way can there be? And Jonathan, one last scripture after all of this. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So as we, get, we begin to wrap up this week's subject on mercy, it's really simple. Don't just listen to the word of God. 
do what it says. Mercy is an action. We can think about mercy. We can dream about mercy. We can write about mercy. We can, we can sing songs about mercy. <laughs> but unless we do mercy, it's meaningless if we do mercy. Do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with thy God. For a Christian, perhaps it's love justice, do mercy, and walk humbly with thy God. Put mercy where it belongs so God's grace can be opened up to those around us. For Jonathan and Rick, it's Christian Questions. We truly enjoyed being with you this morning. We'll be back again next week with another topic. Please check us out on Facebook. Go to ChristianQuestions.com for all of your Christian Questions needs. Until next week. What does it mean to be merciful? Oh, it means plenty, and what a great way to live. Until next week, think about it.